But Hunter Biden, you were too afraid to show up for a deposition. And you still can't today. Hunter Biden should be held completely in contempt. I think he should be hauled off to jail right now. He can't even face my words as I was about to speak to him. What a coward. Rosendale thinks the Republicans got bested. He thinks Hunter Biden had a good day doing that. He still just comes across as so asinine and he is so, I, I think Macy, Representative Macy's the word entitled. And I think that doesn't bode well for him because time and time again, he shows that he is willing to use his access to his father to do whatever he wants with no consequences. They, they knew what they were doing, which is to get a win in the court of public opinion, not in the, in the halls of Congress. All right, folks, it is Thursday. We're on a glide path to the weekend. So much to break down. Chris Christie is out of the campaign. Bill Belichick is out as the Patriots head coach. It's a sad day for me. Um, But Hunter Biden made a surprise visit to Capitol Hill in the middle of a hearing, and it got dicey, to say the least. Trump was on Fox last night as his two rivals, Nikki Haley and Chris Christie, Ron DeSantis, duked it out with the DNC folks over at CNN. So much to break down. We've got a great panel with you. Liz Wheeler, my good friend, uh, the host of the Liz Wheeler Show, she's here. Patrice Unwuko, the Director of Economic Opportunity at the Independent Women's Forum and a frequent fill-in guest over there at WMAL's O'Connor and Company in the morning. And Chris Stegall, my buddy up there, the host of the Chris Stegall Show. So much to break down with them. Let's start it off. All right, I wanna welcome in Patrice Unwuko, Chris Stegall, and my good friend, Liz Wheeler. Um, I... If the show had longer, I'd ask for a moment of silence. Um, I think we can all agree that today's a sad day for America. The Patriots have parted with Bill Belichick, as I noted earlier. And uh, I I don't, I just can't, I, I don't know. I, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to do it. I promised I'd get through it. We all will. Um, we all will. Does anyone okay. watch them now that Tom Brady's gone? Um, Once I'm in sorry, a while. They're having, tr- they're having trouble with Liz's feed right now. Uh, I, I was just thinking he might make a great defense secretary. Yeah, well, he knows how to do the job, Chris Stegall. That's, uh, but I, I, you know, again, I'll leave it at this. Um, I was a Patriots fan back through the Tony Eason, Joe Grogan days. Or, uh, I can't even. Uh, Joe Grogan was a friend and a roommate. Sorry, and a, and domestic advisor to to Donald Trump. But I'm not. I'm not verklempt. Um, but I, I've been through good times and bads. We are going to get through this, but uh, I wish Coach Belichick, he's a great man. Um, and uh, I wish him well to wherever he goes on, because he will go on. He will get those 15 additional victories and become the greatest NFL coach of all time. Okay. Speaking of, of not great NFL. Uh, of, where's he going? Know. Just quickly, where do you think he goes? I just want to know. Do you think he's going to go to Washington? He's going to come to Here's the thing. in Washington that he can come to. He can go yeah. to the Naval Academy or he can take over uh, the, the, the commanders. Two choices here. Oh, oh. They could That's so- the Naval Academy. Yeah, obviously, Bill's dad was a coach there. That would be, but he wouldn't get his NFL wins. I think he's so competitive. He needs that. Uh, oh, that would that for a second you had me going, Patrice. If I were if I were him, you know what I would do? I would retire from football and just auction off the bottom half of the sweatshirt sleeves that he must have, just like boxes and boxes and boxes of. <laughs> it should be he should be set for life. <laughs> I, I'm gonna, I, I put this up. Everybody else goes. Like everybody in conservative media goes to Nashville. Why shouldn't Bill Belichick go there and coach? I, you know, it would be interesting. He goes to Nashville, and then Vrabel comes 
uh, up in coaches New England. To Patrice's point, I, I don't know. I mean, look, I don't know. I think the thing is, Bill Belichick is very old school. He doesn't play the whole analytics game that a lot of these guys do where they bring in a 10-person team and money ball the whole situation. A lot of teams aren't going to play, aren't going to deal with that. Number one, number two, he wants a lot of control, um, mm-hmm. and I don't know how many people are going to give it to him. And number three is, I think he's he's an acquired taste, and the owner has to be willing to say, "I get it. You're mm-hmm. you're going to play this. I'm going to play this game. You're going to be Bill Belichick. You'll control everything, and I I have to be the owner that sits in the owner suite." Um, I don't know. I mean, I think there's a there's a a couple options. I just I think it's going to have to be uh it's it's we'll get to this later. I talked to Chris Stegall about this, but it's like Trump picking a VP. It's mm. got to be mutual. How do you like that? That was a nice little segue, wasn't it? What a transition, right? Sean. It's almost you like you're a professional you here. Right. All right, folks, if you've been part of the show for a long time, you know about my friend Leo Grill from Delta Rescue. If you go to deltarescue.org, you can see the great work that they do as the world's largest no-kill sanctuary. That's right. No-kill sanctuary, not a shelter a sanctuary for all sorts of abandoned cats, dogs, and other animals. Leo Grillo has made it his life mission to do that. And the thing about Leo is that this was a mission that he started a long time ago when he rescued a Doberman named the Doberman Delta. Delta stands for dedication and everlasting love to animals. And that's exactly what they've done at Delta Rescue. If you go to deltarescue.org, you can see all the videos of the great work that they're doing. But more importantly, they rely entirely on contributions like me and you, right? So when we give them $5 or $100 or whatever, that's how they support. But Leo wants to make this an enduring mission. If you go to deltarescue.org, you can download their estate planning guide and help make Delta Rescue a part of your enduring mission as well. Go to deltarescue.org, click on that estate planning guide and see if you can join others in making Delta Rescue an enduring mission for years to come. All right, <laughs> I want to get to the debate last night and pick up on a conversation that Chris DeGaulle and I had this morning on his show about Trump's VP because he he sort of, uh, he, he did a very Trumpian thing, which uh, we'll get to about his, you know, knowing who his VP pick is. Let's pause that for a second. Let me just start. I want to go around the horn. One to 10, with 10 being a brilliant PR move and one being what were you thinking, moron? Um, Hunter Biden showing up unannounced yesterday at that House oversight hearing where they were going to move forward on uh, a contempt of Congress charge. Patrice, I'll start with you. One to 10, PR-wise only. Good stunt, 10, or what were you thinking, a one? Two. Uh, it, it, the, the only reason I gave him a two is because, um, you know, he, he did change the, the media narrative for a minute, but I see he opened up a lot of, um, a lot of can of, a can of worms that he will not want to eat when the time comes. Liz Wheeler, give me a number. I feel like John McLaughlin. Uh, three. And the only reason that I'm, I'm giving an extra point compared to Patrice is because the mainstream media, he can count on them to spin this yeah. in his favor, no matter how stupid he is. But it, 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 the whole thing was a spectacle. I mean, I think we all enjoyed yeah. watching it, right? But why would you go to a hearing when you're not actually willing to testify? Like, I can totally understand if he wanted to come in there and testify and just be like savage and try to rip, rip the Republicans apart and make his points. Like, we don't think his points are good, but I could understand someone under national scrutiny wanting to do that. But why would you just go? Because then you're just bringing attention to the points Republicans are making. Pretty stupid, I think. Chris Gall. You know, I, I will have to disagree with the ladies a little bit only because I spoke with a Freedom Caucus member this morning named Matt Rosendale, who told me he Name thinks, dropper. 
<laughs> name dropper. He told me. Um, he uh, well, uh, you know who I was talking to earlier, Larry O'Connor from O'Connor and Company. Uh, well, I'm trying to impress people. I'm not going to drop Larry's name, but at, at any rate, good call. Um, Patrice is feeling he, that. Rosendale thinks the Republicans got bested. He thinks Hunter Biden had a good day doing that. Okay, let me just uh, let me play Why? the clip for. Okay, hold on. Let me play the clip for everyone real quick. This is Marjorie Taylor Greene and and kind of going after him a little. And then I want to play the Nancy Mace clip right after that. So just pause because I want people to see these back to back. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, excuse going? me, Hunter. Whoa, Apparently, you're afraid of my going? words. Whoa. Uh, here is- <laughs> oh. I like to reclaim my time, Mr. Chairman. Wow, that's too bad. (laughs) I think it's clear and obvious for everyone watching this hearing today that Hunter Biden is terrified of strong conservative Republican women because he can't even face my words as I was about to speak to him. What a coward. But Hunter Biden, you were too afraid to show up for a deposition. And you still can't today. Um... I believe that Hunter Biden should be held completely in contempt. I think he should be hauled off to jail right now because it wasn't long ago, too, my friends on the other side of the aisle, um, that you also believed in the, the power of a congressional subpoena. Not long ago at all. You believed in holding those who refused to comply with a congressional subpoena accountable. Okay, Chris, did you, I want to hear a number from you. I heard your explanation. Give me a number. Look, if it were me, I mean, I, I do agree with the ladies. Oh, my I, God. I, Give me a number. <laughs> All right. I say I'm going to say five. I'll say five. OK. Say All right. I'm going to do my John McLaughlin. The correct answer. Seven. <laughs> seven. He says, whoa, uh, this is. And I'll tell you why, because I think I'm with Liz Wheeler's explanation. I don't want to have Liz Wheeler as my professor ever. It's pretty clear <laughs> that her and Patrice don't grade on a curve, which I've spent most of my years on that curve. Um, it was always like, Sean, uh, your work is horrible, but you showed up for class all the time and commented, we're going to give you a 70. Um, so here's why I think that. I talked to a couple people last night who were like, yeah, Hunter sat there and his attorney said that why, why wouldn't he have, they should have called his bluff. And if, and I want to like, I, I want to break this down a little bit, but for the average attorney, I mean, excuse me, non-attorney, the average viewer, and this is what Liz was saying about the mainstream media coming to his defense. A lot of people that I talked to yesterday that aren't political people that are even right-leaning but don't really said, yeah, why didn't they call us bluff? Wow, they looked dumb, right? And you saw those clips. Let, let me just, let's start unpacking this for a second. Here's, here's and again, this is the why I love the, having the show, but also why I get that, that people don't get it because of the media. Liz was right. I mean, the mainstream media played this up. The reason that they want him behind closed doors for a deposition is the people behind the closed doors are the staff lawyers and depositions happen with lawyers who can literally do it by the book. Those people, you heard Nancy Mason and and, uh, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, they're not lawyers. When I sat for Mueller, it was tons of preparation by my team and their team to sit down and go through this in a methodical legal way. And Liz Wheeler, you're right. This is the media. They, they knew what they were doing, which is to get a win in the court of public opinion, not in the, in the halls of Congress. 
Liz? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you're not wrong. Of course. My question <laughs> would be, my question would be how many people watch the mainstream media, right? So the mainstream media is going to give him a positive treatment. They're going to act like Joe Biden's just showing unconditional love to his child son, which is how they paint this 50 year old crack addict. But how many people are influenced at this point by CNN, by MSNBC, by these leftist commentators who are trying to make Hunter Biden out to be some sort of victim? We saw actually how many people aren't influenced by that in the lead up to the 2020 election when Hatton, this was what we found out after the election, had the New York Post story about Hunter Biden's laptop not been censored, it would have influenced enough Democrats in their vote for Joe Biden that it may have changed the outcome of the election, which tells me that these these Democrats or even maybe center, center right-leaning center people um, aren't going to be listening to the mainstream media about Hunter Biden anymore because they've been they've been duped once. And you know what they say, once burned, I, I, twice yeah. shy. I, I, I get that. But but Patrice, the thing is, and, and just bear with me for a second. I, I don't think the Republican side between Nancy Mace and, and Marjorie Taylor Greene did us any favors. Right. Right. It was, yeah. uh, are you saying that women can't talk and all this stuff? Hunter Biden didn't say anything. Like he literally got up and walked out. I, I felt like if our side had said, yeah, we'll sit right now. Let's have the lawyers take you. I mean, we could have turned the tables on him. Mm-hmm. And I felt like it was a lot. Yes, Liz is right. Do, do less people watch the mainstream media and get influenced from 100%. But the people that I talked to yesterday after the stunt are not stupid, right? And they were like, wow, did the Republicans? And I was like, no, they couldn't have. They weren't ready. You can't just have a yeah. deposition like, hey, you ready? Let's go. I mean, yeah. I prep for this show. Uh, you prep for what everyone who's a professional takes a moment to get their stuff together before an interview, a phone call, mm-hmm. a meeting. You don't just get to walk in and go, let's go, deposition time. And yeah. and Patrice, I think our side didn't do us any favors by making us look like, you know, Hunter Biden, It's you didn't want to sit in front of a strong woman. It's like, no, dude, he just showed you up. You should have said, yep, let's go. I, I kind of agree with that. Um, while I, while I think it, the language, like, you know, saying he doesn't have balls and all of that, you know, crass. And it seemed it, obviously Republicans were caught flat footed yesterday. And that was the intention of Hunter and his lawyers. But in my opinion, it actually still doesn't play too well to Hunter. He comes across as the poster boy for the bad boy, the entitled bad boy, whose daddy will always come to his rescue. And he can thumb the nose of every type of law enforcement or accountability there is. And we we all grew up with that person or there's somebody in your community, you know who that kind of guy is. And that's how Hunter Biden, I think, came across. The fact that today now he's in what, California facing charges? Um, so, or uh, whichever state he is facing serious federal charges right now. You juxtapose, juxtapose where he is today with where he was yesterday. And he still just comes across as, man, he is so asinine and he is so... I think Macy, Representative Macy is the word entitled. I wouldn't say white entitlement, but entitled. And I think that doesn't bode well for him because time and time again, he shows that he is willing to use his access to his father to do whatever he wants with no consequences. That said, yeah, yeah I wish Republicans would were, were, uh, were able to take advantage of the moment and turn the tables. And as soon as he stood up, the cameras left and we missed Marjorie Taylor Greene's fantastic um, uh, uh comments after that, which is, yeah, this is why he, why he needs to be held accountable. And she did a great job of laying out those arguments. And unfortunately the cameras were gone by that point. All right, guys, most of us know what it's like to be without power, sometimes for an hour, maybe a day, a couple days after a 
natural disaster, a hurricane, a windstorm, you know, whatever. But now national security experts are warning that our power grid is more vulnerable than ever. And they've identified nine key substations, which if attacked, they're saying we could lose power for months, months. That's why having your own solar power is more important than ever. So I recommend the Patriot Power Generator, which is a solar generator that you don't have to install in your house. It's portable. You can take it with you. You can use it inside your house. And it's powerful enough that if power goes out, we're talking your phones, your tablets, your computers, medical devices, even your refrigerator gets power. So if you go to fourpatriots.com and use code SPICE, you get 10% off your first purchase. It's four. Patriots.com includes that Patriot power generator. You'll get a uh, that guarantee for a year, free shipping if it's over 97 bucks, and a portion of every sale is donated to charities that support veterans, right? That's great. So go to fourpatriots.com, use code SPICER, fourpatriots.com. You do not want to be without power in case something happens. In the hallway, uh, Fox News's uh, Hill reporter, I forget her name, Hillary Vaughn, I think it was Hillary, asked him, hey, why was your dad on the phone with you when you were having these right. business meetings? And he actually answered and gave what could be used, in, in my opinion, as a sign that, yeah, my dad was there with doing my business dealings. The first time he kind of gave a, a, a slight omit, uh, uh, Wait, a, that's omission of that. Mr. Biden, why did you put your dad on speakerphone with your business partners if he had no involvement in your business? Do you have a dad? Did he call you? Yes. Did he answer the phone? Yes. Okay. But why did you need to talk to him during business meetings if he had nothing to do with your business? Chris DeGaulle, Patrice just put the finger on it. That was my point. Now, could when I say House Republicans should have flipped the, the, the tables on him, I'm not saying they should have started a deposition right then because they maybe they weren't ready. They could have said, okay, give us an hour. And, and, and they could have used it so that they would have turned the momentum in their favor and said, okay, give us an hour. You stay here. We're going to confer with staff attorneys. Make it a showdown. Right. Make it a showdown because I have a thing, I believe, and this is the thing that I thought was funny. Abby Lowell, who was his attorney sitting next to him, the guy with the blue tie, for those of you who watched the clips or saw it, uh, he was Jared Kushner's attorney. When you're in trouble in DC and you're like a, an establishment type, you'll call Abby Lowell. Like this is the guy that, you know, he's the, the, the wonderkin lawyer that gets you out of stuff. I was actually kind of shocked that he went along with this, right? Um, when, when, I remember when I was writing my first book, it was Mueller had subpoenaed everybody. We were getting ready to do the Mueller. And our, my lawyers were very clear, like, be careful what's in your book. Let's make sure everything's like, they're all very guarded about how you act. And I wasn't obviously a target of this, but I was like, the idea that Abby Lowell bought off on the shtick, right? And by the way, can I just play one more clip for everyone? Because this is my favorite one. Patrice mentions the hallway. I assume it's a reporter, but you never know. Let's take a look. Quiet and let me make a statement, okay? What kind of crack do you normally smoke, Mr. Biden? All right, Chris DeGaulle, there you hear the big question. What kind of crack do you normally smoke, Mr. <laughs> Biden? <laughs> well, you know, uh, Patrice brought up a minute ago that uh, they said he didn't have balls. I think that laptop has proven that, yes, he does smoke crack and does, in fact, have testicles. We've seen them, unfortunately. Um, so oh. uh, but I, I will just say that you're right. Republicans do get rolled. That was the congressman's criticism of his colleagues was they got rolled. This is the second time he's done it. Remember, right before Christmas, when he shows up with Eric Swalwell and puts on the big show out in front of the building. He does this. It's a it's, it's a literal Smokescreen. It's a magic act. Just as the Republicans yeah. are about to get revved up, 
they throw a little smoke out there and the media dutifully covers it. And, and that's why I think it is to his benefit, ultimately. And they just don't know what to do with it. They're always caught flat footed, to your point. All right. Let, let me let me end this by going around the horn the other way. We talked about Hunter Biden. We gave him a great Republicans reaction to this. Liz Wheeler, I'll start with you. One to ten. Ten being they handled this really well or one like you guys are morons. What do you give them as a grade? Well, two, because I think both of the things that we're discussing here are correct, that I still don't think that this served Hunter Biden in his favor, except for the few people that watch the mainstream media. I don't think it was effective. But of course, Republicans in Congress are generally terrible. They're generally not well-informed about their issues. They're generally not very based about their principles. They generally are easily caught flat-footed as they were yesterday. So it's almost two separate questions that can both be true. I don't think it was a favorable um, stunt for Hunter, but of course Republicans punted it. I mean, I, I personally don't care for the question that, or the comment that Nancy Mace made. I think that that was an incredible waste of space. Like you have an opportunity to actually ask Hunter Biden a question and that's what you say. You have right. an opportunity to get a reaction from him and that's what you say. Like, what is the point of that? That's just exactly. immature this idea emotional of discharge. Up white, like she was like, do you sit there with your white privilege? Like, I was like, who yeah. are, are you? You sound like you're actually like AOC was like, here, write this, read this, read this. I mean, I felt yes. like literally somebody on the squad handed that to her and said, like if you don't have a question, said, just read this thing. In that email, when it was referencing the big guy, was that your father? And she should have then had the camera capture his reaction. You don't have to. I understand that preparing for a deposition takes time, but any one of the four of us could have, given the opportunity to be in front of Hunter Biden, given him probably 10 or 20 questions off the cuff yes. that would have made media coverage and would have probably served against it, or against his favor when this is actually being litigated, if charges ever are actually brought against him for his corrupt sale of access to the president of the United States. So yeah. no, Republicans obviously did bad. So, so Patrice, the thing that's interesting, right, is, as I said, you want to have a deposition amongst staff lawyers first before the members who are not lawyers ask the questions. You want to make sure you cover things in a very methodical and chronicle way. That's why you have depositions and they're not free-for-alls. You want to do it when he's under oath. Behind, I mean, like, there's a reason they have a process. And the idea of somebody coming in and saying, to hell with you, I get to decide what I want to do, is not it. You don't get to do that in court. Hunter can't go to court today and say, hey, judge, here's the only way that I'm going to sit here. That's not how it works. He doesn't get to decide. They are right in the sense that he is a privileged little wuss that is trying to uh, deter, like, de to call out how he wants this to work, which is not how the system. You don't get to just do that. But I do think that Republicans could have flipped this in a better way. What's your grade? I give him a four. Um, I, I think that certainly we missed everything that happened before and a lot of what happened afterwards. Uh, but given that they were, this was sprung on them more than likely coordinated with someone on the committee, probably I would hope on the democratic side, shouldn't have done it at all. But, um, but given that you still had a few members who are able to step in and take advantage of the moment, even if most of the cameras had already followed him out. So I'll give him a four. Okay. Chris Gall. I mean, I, it, I think two or one is charitable. I mean, Comer's the chair. If anybody's armed to just lay into Hunter Biden, it's yeah. Comer. And I don't think that he said a word. He didn't even make right. news. Nancy, no, no, actually, Nancy Taylor Green did. Great point. Actually, that's a that's that's actually an interesting point because it was Marjorie Taylor Green. He should have re, re immediately taken over the committee and said, mm -hmm. "Okay, here's the, like I said. Okay, great. Here's the deal. Let's sit down." We'll reconvene in a few minutes. I mean, like they could have flipped the script on him and said, you're there. We're going to bring our staff attorneys out. They're going to go through this. We'll wait. Then we'll question. I mean, like, boom, own the moment and put him on defense. Uh, all right. I'm much more in line with those grades. I think I'm somewhere right in the middle there. I think Republicans 
you know, it, it, they didn't do any well. I'm probably on the two end of this, but I do want to flip over to last night uh, and and break this down. We've got the debate, the Fox Hall, Fox Town Hall with Donald Trump, the hot mic issue with Chris Christie and him dropping out. Um, so let's start with let's see Chris Christie. Um, one, let's just start with: Do you think him dropping out makes any difference? Yay or nay, Chris Stegall? No, no. Uh, although it did expose just how weak and milquetoast Nikki Haley is. Uh, for any talk that the uh, establishment Republicans think that she's the Trojan horse here that can can take Trump out, even Christie had to admit when caught on mic, she didn't have the stuff. <laughs> no, she's going to get smoked, I think was the direct uh, comment there, Liz Wheeler. Uh, here's my thing. I'll give you my take and then you respond. Uh, tell me if I'm right or wrong. So I don't think it matters in Iowa. He wasn't playing there. Who cares? If Nikki Haley can pick up, let's say, let's just give Chris Christie 12% in New Hampshire. Um, and he gets, he gives her six and she gets in within eight, let's call it, of Donald Trump. I think that she, the media, and you brought this up earlier on the Hunter Biden thing. I think that the donors, the never Trumpers and the media are going to coronate her as now the, the, the alternative to Trump and that it is a race no matter what. If she does, and that, that's all predicated. And the thing about New Hampshire, and I said this to Chris DeGaulle on his radio show earlier this morning, remember New Hampshire, A, allows independents to vote in the primary and B, there's no democratic race on the other side to speak of. Meaning you get a couple thousand Dems up there in your neck of the woods, Liz, uh, suddenly you, you can keep this a lot closer because it's not a closed primary. Well, listen, I went to a wedding in New Hampshire last weekend and I was shocked to see a couple of Nikki Haley signs um, in the in yards there. I was like, oh, I guess this is where Nikki Haley's couple of supporters live because I was flummoxed before that about her poll numbers because I was like, I've never met or talked to a Nikki Haley supporter, so I don't know where they're living. Uh, the media is already going to do what you described, though, regardless of how Democrats in New Hampshire vote. They've already decided both Republican establishment, establishment media and the Democratic mainstream media have already decided that Nikki Haley is their gal because she's essentially um, Hillary Clinton wearing an elephant, a Republican elephant pin here. They've already decided that she's the one that they want. I honestly, and Sean, you're going to push back hardcore on this, I know. I honestly don't pay as much attention to Iowa and New Hampshire as some people do because if you look back at the history of who wins these two states very early in the primary and caucus process, it's more often than not, not the candidate who ends up getting the nomination for president. Yeah. I mean, look at like Pete Buttigieg won, I think, the Democrat but, but um, the, the, in 2020. The, so it doesn't matter what Nikki Haley does. She's a terrible, terrible candidate. But, she won't but, even it, she won't even ban trans surgeries for kids. I, I, I so I, you're right. I will push back <laughs> because. <laughs> But 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 not because but but this is not a historical race. You've never had a former president, Ann Seltzer, who runs the the Des Moines Register poll out there. It says that no one has ever hit fifty percent, and no one has ever had a lead like Trump. It's just not happened, right? So you can't look at this in the context normal of, of historical thing. What I would argue, and also you've never had a field as small as this, right? So let's, for all intents and purposes, it's three people because Vivek. God bless him, is just not getting any traction. He's not going any further. So you have three people running. Trump, let's call it at 45, 50%, DeSantis and Haley. If if Ron DeSantis gets smoked in Iowa, and I'm, I'm talking anything south of 20 points uh, that he loses by, 
He cannot make the case to go on, even to New Hampshire. You cannot tell me that you blow $80 million on organizing in a state like Iowa where you could have bought all of them, either their choice of a John Deere tractor or a Ford 1 F-150, and that they blew it. You don't get to go, yeah, but let me go on to New Hampshire. Uh Uh-uh, game over. Then that makes that a two-person race in New Hampshire. Nikki Haley, If that's why I'm saying if she can make it close using the independents and the disinfected Democrats, she has a case to go on to her home state of South Carolina and pray that that catapults her into Super Tuesday. Now, I will argue Super Tuesday where you've got multiple states, Trump is hugely favored because he's been able to run a much more broad-based national campaign. But Patrice, I, I just... That's how I see this playing out. Uh, okay. I, I mean, it, it could very well happen. That's <laughs> okay. <right. laughs> well, to, to get to your, question, well, your first question, and will uh, Christy bowing out help her or hurt her? I think very minimal help. Um, certainly, Chris Christie has a, a few points, and they could make they could bring. And I, I think right now, in the uh, real clear average policy, uh, real clear politics average, uh, Trump and Haley are actually within that ten point margin in New Hampshire right now. Um, so by one poll, one poll. That's just well, that's their average of the polls, but maybe maybe yeah. just just one. But I mean, it, I do think Christie could help her. Um, and she let's not forget, she also has the strong backing of Americans for Prosperity. Yeah. Um, certainly the donors there, as well as all of the grassroots um, and grass tops that they bring to the table. And I think that's probably what she's depending on to really lift her. And to to, the, to Liz's point, she doesn't she didn't see a lot of signs, but maybe that's what they're depending on, that AFP power. Um, will that be enough? I have always said, and I still maintain, this race is President Trump's to lose. Yep. I don't see... I really just don't see that there that she's really going to be able to to overcome his uh, his his his, um, his lead and and you know from a financial perspective from a funding perspective from a you know from every way you look at it um, I, I think the juxtaposition between and I use that word twice today but between Trump and Haley and the establishment and the old school and the, and and what Trump has really commandeered which is most of the conservative movement right now. I, I think it's left her behind, yeah, and, yeah. and and I just don't see that it's going to be enough. And 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 to the point that the, if the media really loves her and wants her to go up against Joe Biden, that makes me concerned that that's probably not where Republicans voters are going to be and and going to want to support. As part of the New Year resolution, did you decide you want a little financial security, diversify your options? Well, I've got an idea for you. Go visit my friends at Bishop Gold Group. They are who I depend on when I wanted to diversify my account into precious metals. I called them up. I had a conversation about what, where I was in terms of uh, my investment portfolio, where I was in terms of retirement. And we created a plan that involved precious metals, a mix of gold and silver. The best part about it is you can sit down and figure out what works for you. If you want to roll over an IRA, if you've got particular savings, if you want to hold it, if you want them to hold it, all of those things they can answer on the phone for you. And in these days of economic insecurity, this is the way to go. Diversify your account. Think about how you can add precious metals to that portfolio that you have, how you roll over that IRA or anything else, give them a call right now, 844-984-1616, bishopgoldgroup.com slash Sean, bishopgoldgroup.com slash Sean for a special promotional offer. I I feel like the field, uh, again, this is the only shot she still has to hit a bank shot 
to do well and go into South Carolina. And, and if she gets blown out in her home state, which Trump yeah. is actually leading tremendously. And again, that puts, she, she has to just keep hitting bank shot, bank shot, bank shot. Chris Gall, I want to put a nail in Christie's, Chris Christie's coffin. I want to play the hot mic moment that we brought up for a second. Take a listen. They don't want to hear it. We know we're right, but they don't want to hear it. Right. And, and there's, you know, we couldn't have been any clearer. Right. We couldn't have been any more, any more direct or worked any harder. So, Unless you know. Yeah. Well, when you give land to China and places like that. Yeah, that's what you get. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, she spent 68 million so far, just on TV. Spent 68 million so far, 59 million by DeSantis, and we spent 12. I mean, who's punching above their weight and who's getting a return on their investment, you know? And she's going to get smoked. And you and I both know it. She's not up to this. She's still 20 points behind Trump in New Hampshire, right? Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And he's gonna—he's still gonna carry Iowa, right? Yes. Always. Oh, I—I you know, talked to De, DeSantis called me, petrified so that I would. He's probably getting out of half of Iowa. Well, Christopher, this is the last thing I want to do. Is just before we move on, the rest of the town hall and the debate, uh, and Trump's VP potential pick that he leaned into last night. I want to just ask you this: I don't get the Christie strategy. Okay. Here's the here's my Chris Christie impersonation. I'm running because Donald Trump is a horrible person and I'm staking everything on it and I'm going to tell you it. I'm going to tell you the truth and I'm at 12% and then I'm going to do well in New Hampshire, go off to Michigan. I don't know why Michigan and then that's it and then I'm, I'm going to do really well and whatever. Okay. I never thought that strategy made sense to begin with. Like you're at 12% in New Hampshire, you really haven't changed much. And then suddenly he drops out last night. Okay, the immediate normal political would have been, and therefore I'm endorsing my fellow governor, likely Nikki Haley, give her, try to five, six points, whatever. He gets caught on a hot mic trashing both that we just heard, both DeSantis. So what do you, I just don't get what, why wouldn't you have stayed in, gotten your 12% right? and and then gone back to CNN for your contract? I mean, this what, is- this what, is exactly, I just don't, I don't get it. I don't, I, I, I honest to God, don't get it. I confusion about him. He did something yesterday that I think ultimately was the opposite of what he hopes to do. He claims he wants to take Trump down. He wants to take right. Trump down. And yesterday, singularly, with this hot mic, he managed to make both Haley and DeSantis, and I love Governor DeSantis, by the way. I don't mean any disrespect to him, but between Haley and DeSantis feuding on stage on CNN last night, and this hot mic comment by uh, Chris Christie taking you know, taking them both out and making them both seem like kind of needy or whatever. I, I, it, it was so damaging to both of them. Christie ended up taking out rivals to Trump instead of hurting Trump, to, in my opinion. Liz, I, I just I, and I'm dead serious. Like, give me your take, because I don't if you wanted to drop out because you want to stop Donald Trump, then you throw your support to somebody else. You don't trash them. And frankly, right. right now, he can't turn around and do anything. Uh, he can't tell his supporters because he's already, they all know you said that Nikki Haley's pathetic and Chris Christie's what I mean, um, Ron DeSantis is whatever he said. But I, I don't I honest to God, it perplexes me. I'm like, what was your I don't that does not match anything that you claimed was your strategy. Well, that makes sense, because that's the pattern of Chris Christie's behavior. I mean, he was at one point pissed off because he wasn't put in the Trump administration. He wanted to be part of the Trump team. And when he wasn't, then he got vindictive and petulant and decided that he hated Trump and Trump was a threat. So would it surprise any of us if he now decides, okay, well, my best shot here is jumping where is jumping where I think the winner is or jumping with whom I think the winner is going to be. Maybe he's now trying to help Trump. Who knows what goes on 
and yeah. in that little mind of his. He's a ridiculous person. The other thing that I will say, and this is just from the media perspective, I wish that we had these hot mic moments for everyone. Everyone is so rehearsed, <laughs> so prepared. Listen, I'm good friends with your producer, Sean, and I have tried so many times to get him to make a reel of you on hot mic because I think it would be the most hilarious thing that we what? have ever seen <laughs> in the history of media. I love these things. Like, actually say what you think. That's what Chrissy was actually thinking. Great. I'm happy to hear it. It's the funniest thing I saw yesterday. Okay. So uh, in case you haven't heard, we're looking for a new producer. Um, <laughs> but my theory was that it's a three-day weekend. Martin Luther King weekend is on Mon is, is Monday. And I thought that Christy just wanted a ski vacation. And he said, if I drop out today, <laughs> uh, there's fresh powder. I can hit the trails. That was, you just kill. I don't know. Maybe there, is there more snow coming? Because Maybe he I wants honestly, to go canoeing, Sean. Who knows? Canoeing. I don't, yeah. Um, all right, Patrice, let me just ask you this. Let's start with this. This. Um, I want to uh, just quickly, I want to cover the CNN Town Hall and then Fox on on. Uh, the split screen with Trump on Fox, because I was mm -hmm. one of those guys last night with my remote going back and forth. What did you think of CNN's town hall and, and the performances between, I'll, I'll throw it all in one bucket, how CNN handled themselves, the moderators, and how DeSantis and Haley did? I actually liked it. I watched it. Um, and I actually was looking forward to something. It's, it actually was a little bit more refreshing than, frankly, the, the debates that we saw last year. Um, not not just because there weren't a lot of other inter, interlopers interjecting every few minutes trying to get their their moment of fame, but in part because um, it, it, the, the the host, I would say, did a pretty good job of staying out of their way and let the two of them go back and forth and battle each other. And uh, and we heard a lot of you are a liar. No, you are a liar. No, you are a liar. Uh, that get, that did get a little bit tired after a while. But it was it was interesting to see the two of them take themselves on. And the, the format just seemed to work better than, frankly, some of the other uh, other other debates that we saw prior. So I liked it. So Chris Tegall, I thought there were a couple of good zingers in there. Number one, Nikki Haley, to be blunt, I think started to get annoying with this DeSantis. What was it? DeSantisLies.com. It yeah. was she saw it was like, OK, I got it and I know what you're doing. But just it started to become like the. Like, you wanted to smack the gnat away from, you're like, okay, stop, 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 stop. There were a couple of good zingers in there. Um, I thought DeSantis, his line, you can take the UN out of the ambassador, or you can take the ambassador out of the UN, but you can't take um, the, the UN, UN out of the ambassador, ambassador, like trying to make her sound like some globalist. And then I think she came after him for her running her, his campaign and blowing all this money, saying, if you can't manage a campaign, how are you going to manage the country? Um, I agree with Patricia. They they did talk more, but I actually would have liked it even more loose. Like, why do you need this clock back and forth? Let them talk a little bit more. I felt like the climate change question, like you could tell CNN had to appease, uh, had to make sure their audience was okay. Yeah, my daydream is that there will be a genuine debate someday where we don't talk about moderators because there aren't any. Yeah. You're exactly right. Uh, Haley and DeSantis, mano a mano, if you will, would have been most meaningful. I thought flipping back and forth, I don't know how many people do this. Uh, I'm a nerd and you are a self-admitted nerd, Sean. I flipped back and forth. And I'm a political junkie. Difference. <laughs> there's, there's Trump. Big difference. Cool. Big difference. I don't have the grades to support the nerd. Trump, Trump sitting on a stool, one leg hoisted. While, you know, over there on CNN, I would flip back and there are the two of them just like a couple of Yorkies and they yeah. didn't look very happy either. And Trump looked like Sinatra. All he needed was like a cigar, you know, like a cigarette and a scotch. 
He couldn't have looked more cool and at ease. Actually, you, that, that, that is actually the perfect image. He really did need a drink. He'd be like, let me just uh, <laughs> let me get back to you on that so, one. I, I, for a guy that's got 91 charges against him, counts against him, four indictment or how many indictments, I don't know. Uh, he looked as at peace and at ease and as jocular and telling jokes and riffing as I've ever seen him. I was kind of stunned by his comfort level, actually. Liz, what did you make of, let's just, let's stick with CNN for a second. What did you think of that debate, how they handled it? And then, um, and, and both of the candidates. Well, CNN, I, I've had bigger criticisms with moderators in the past. I will say CNN likes to present things as fact that are not factual. Yes. An example of that last night was Jake Tapper saying that there's only 10 million illegal aliens in our country. Like what? That's how many have come in just under Biden, essentially. That number right. is from 15 years ago presents that as fact and his viewers eat it up. That's not true. I don't like that. I don't like being lied to. Um, I think the two insults that you were the two barbs that you mentioned before um, that Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis exchanged were actually both very accurate. Nikki Haley is a pseudo globalist. I mean, she supports the war in Ukraine, which for me is a deal breaker to have all of our money sent to a corrupt nation sent to Zelensky, devaluing our currency, which makes our position as the world's superpower diluted it threatens the world reserve currency. Like that's a very big deal issue. Nikki Haley is in favor of that. I also think that her barb about DeSantis's campaign was unfortunately pretty accurate. I think he's been a fantastic governor of Florida. He should be the role model for Republican candidates or Republican yep. elected officials across the country. And anecdotally, I was at a doctor's appointment this morning and the woman who was drawing my blood, the, the medical assistant who was drawing my blood, asked me what I thought of DeSantis's performance. She's a Republican, but not as political junkie or nerdy as we are. And she said she didn't know that much about him. And I just gave a list of the things that he had accomplished as governor. I was like, well, he banned critical race theory in school. He banned transgender surgeries. He took on Disney when they were grooming our kids. You know, he's gone after these woke elitist universities. And she was like, oh, I didn't know any of that. That's really awesome. And I thought to myself, why doesn't he go up on stage and talk about what he's done? Because he has the most incredible resume. And yet he just talks about these hypotheticals or goes after a candidate for something they said a long time ago. Like, tell us what you've done and your campaign would be a lot more successful. So I, the two points you brought up were probably the best points of the of the debate. I, I'm actually I on that. I agree with you 100 percent. He's got a great record as governor. And I was like. I would just get up there and go, boom, 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 boom. You know, because he said something like, my record of accomplishment. And I'm like, and? Say <laughs> Which it. Which are? <laughs> say it. Like, you know, I felt like back, speaking of my grades and nerds, like back, you'd be like, Sean, show us your work. You don't just get to say the division. Here's the number, the answer seven. Show us how you got there. And I was like, dude, you you took on Disney. Everybody mm -hmm. talks about taking on war corporate war corporations. You did it. You fought back in COVID. I, I'm I'm with you, Liz. I think he's done a great job as governor. Patrice, let's let's move on to Trump in the town hall. Two things. Um, I I I agree with Chris Stegall. Like the way he handled himself. Um, he taught and he he undermined so much of the media narratives. He said, "I'm not going to be a dictator," and I'm doing all this. He actually. I thought he sounded well. He interacted with the audience well. And he gave an answer on abortion that I have been praying for. For those I read, I wrote that op-ed in the Daily Caller uh, a few months back about the Virginia elections. Republicans need to go on offense. Democrats are the extreme people on abortion. They're the ones who want to have it up till the birth and past. And Trump nailed it last night. They're the radicals because they're willing to kill the baby 
in eight months, nine months, or even after birth. If you remember the former governor of Virginia, where he said, you kill the baby after the ninth month, or even afterwards, you set the baby aside, and you have a conversation with the mother. And of the conversation, can you imagine? But these are the radicals. We're not the radicals. We are not the radicals. He literally laid out the perfect case for every Republican last night on, on how extreme Democrats are when it comes to abortion. Uh, I, I agree with Chris Tegall. He, last night, was on fire and I think settled a lot of people who are freaked out now. How many people watch it? We'll find out. But I actually, I, last night was the Trump that, can, that shows people I know what to do to win. Well, and I think that's what people have been waiting for. Those who both support the Trump agenda and the America First agenda, but didn't necessarily like all of his language all the time. I think that's what they were looking for. And he presented himself and reminded, reminded us or even told us that, yes, I'm capable of being this Trump if this is the Trump that you like and want to see on a day to day basis. But don't forget, I also can be the Trump who will get down and dirty and in the trenches especially when we see what's happening uh, with the left and a lot of their policies. So, you know, if I were to give him a grade, I would give him a, a, a B plus. Okay. Uh, Chris Tegall, I want to play for you this clip. Last night, Trump asked about his potential VP pick. All right, you and I talked about this on your radio show this morning. Uh, no, it is not going to be anyone on stage. I, I, we don't have the time to go through why this is nuts. I've said it before on the show. My, my pick, uh, I have four people on my short list. Christy Nome, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Elise Stefanik or Marsha Blackburn. Uh, Chris Tegall, agree or disagree? I agree wholeheartedly. In fact, my gut has always told me that the um, political love affair that's on display every time he and Governor Sanders, Huckabee Sanders, get together is evident. They are fond, fond, fond of each other. Yep. And uh, I see that from downtown as far as I'm concerned. I okay, agree. I, I got 30 seconds left. Liz Wheeler in 15, agree or disagree with that VP selection? Yeah, I think so. And I would echo Chris and say, I hope it's Sarah Huckabee Sanders because she is so sound principally. And I don't believe that the others on the list are. I think that she is a good compliment for him personality wise as well. She's okay. got a very calm demeanor. Um, so that would be a good pick in my opinion. Okay. Uh, Patrice, you get the last word because, and I agree with Liz because I have Sarah's cell phone number. So it'd be good to be able to text the VP. I like all those ladies, <laughs> but can I swap one out and put in Byron Donald's? Representative Donalds from Florida has been a huge advocate and champion for him and, and has been down and dirty in the trenches and has those relationships in the House, at least. Yeah. So I might put him in that list. I, I wouldn't have a problem with Byron. I, I think he's great. I, a, there's a Florida issue, which can be overcome. Uh, that being said, I do think, and uh, I know a lot, like Trump understands, having a female will bring a lot more to the ticket. I love having you guys here on this very sad day for all New England Patriots fans. Um, thank you for joining us. For everyone at home, uh, please continue to subscribe, share, uh, promote. Uh, give us a five-star review on Apple. We've got a great show for you tomorrow. Mike Davis from the Article 3 Project will be here to break down all of Trump's legal woes, plus what's happening in Georgia, and so much more, the impeachment crisis. We'll see you back here tomorrow on the Sean Spicer Show.